Hello. Hey. So our first podcast and forever. <laughs> yeah. Probably our second or third overall, I guess. Yeah, we, we tried. By the way, I'm Carlos. Uh, I'm calling Brian. We're trying to do this uh, over the over the phone recording uh, thing. I think it works pretty cool. It's pretty easy to set up, and we're going to upload our ideas. So we want to be helpful. Uh, a little bit about me. Uh, basically, I found Brian and his company, Good Dog Workshop. You can look up the details. You don't want to take up too much of your time. But what we're trying to do, I think, Brian, you would say, we're just trying to get our information out there, have people be informed, but keep the topics very specific, all things dog behavior related. Right. Yeah, that's right. I'm uh, I'm Brian Kirkner. I started Good Dog Workshop in uh, oh, 2007. And uh, we met uh, Carlos and I met through Craigslist, which was kind of kind of an interesting story. But um, yeah, we're here to help people with their uh, their dog behavior problems. Um, and to be perfectly honest, most of the time it's us. It's the humans who are creating the problems. So a lot of the training that uh, and um, and help that we offer is directed towards the people because the dogs usually uh, figure out what we want from them uh, in the first place. So um, what topic do you want to uh, talk about today, Carlos? Yeah, and for me, there's so much to cover, which is part of the challenge, right? Yeah. And I think it's important to know that we're uh, pretty much altruists in the sense that we're trying to help the dog, right, or dogs if you have more than one. And But we have to do that by helping the people because obviously people are the ones that have the uh, – uh, the legal rights over them and they own them and they make all the decisions in the, in the household. So there's so many things to cover. Um, it's overwhelming, but we want to get the stuff out there. I like to listen to podcasts myself. So the idea here is listen to it, put it on, have it in the background, and hopefully you get uh, something out of it. Um, if nothing else, uh, we'll be able to at least uh, shed some light on our own experiences. I think the one thing that might make sense that I want to talk about that I don't hear a lot of is getting a dog, picking a dog. How do you get a dog? What things do you look for, Brian? So let's not cover, for example, everybody knows what dogs they like, right? That's easy. I like this type of breed. You know, I grew up with this type of dog. What about actually when it comes time to pick a dog, whether it's a, from a breeder or a shelter or a rescue? I know you have some experience with the rescue. Yeah, that's a that's a, a great topic, a really good place to start. And one other thing that I that I think we should mention to the listeners out there is, you know, we're we're coming from a place of like Carl said, altruism, but also truth. And we're going to try not to sugarcoat it very much. And you know, sometimes it's frustrating when when uh, when people aren't getting it, or, or uh, you know, dogs are uh, dogs are maybe hard to. Uh, to work with than, than people expect, but we're not going to say, oh, you know, come on, buddy, you can you can do it. You know, it's it's no no problem. You just have to keep working the problem. Sometimes, you know, we have to tell the people, and I've I've done this uh, fairly recently actually, is tell tell a client you're actually not the right match for this dog. How you are right now is not right for this dog. So you may want to consider different alternatives, but it all comes back to. Like I said, the people is how you are right now. That's the is the phrase that we use. And so if that person can change who they are, and I've had to do this myself 
with a number of dogs that I've worked with over the years, then you can be the, the good match for that for that dog. But you know, it's how you present yourself to the to the dog. But like I said, is we're we're going to try not to sugarcoat this too much, and and by doing that, we understand that we're probably going to offend people and hurt some people's feelings out there. But when it comes down to it, you're going to hear the truth from us, um, and given our experiences, and and especially. Carlos's, and he'd never say this himself, but Carlos's incredible intuition when it comes to uh, reading animals and dogs specifically, you know, we, we have a lot of information out there and a lot of insight that, uh, that we can offer people. So I just wanted yep. to, to, to clarify that as well. Yeah, well said for sure. I appreciate your, what you're saying. I, I, I for me, I, I get a little bit apprehensive because I don't want to come across as arrogant, egotistical, right? It's easy to do that. I think also, the, some of the dog trainers I've met in our field, I, I man, whether it's, let's see, I had a little bit of experience with pet trainer, dog trainers in pet stores. I've had a little bit of experience with quote unquote trainers in other fields outside of the pet stores, like their own private, uh, ordeal. And I don't know, they come across like, um, what's the word, man? It's like, it's like they, they want to help. They like dogs. But they have a little bit, the ego is there, right? And I kind of disassociate myself sometimes with that word dog trainer, you know, because I don't want to come across like, hey, you better listen to what I'm saying. So what I'd like to tell people is, hey, we have a ton of experience on the ground, right? Yeah, we've read what a lot of people have read, basic obedience training books, for example. Uh, we've watched a lot of dog shows, right? And they're fun and you, sometimes they're insightful, but we have a lot of experience. And what does that mean? For me, that means that, hey, the stuff that we've tried has worked over and over and over again, which means it'll be effective for you as long as you're in the right mindset, like Brian said. Um, but, but you have to take risk, right? You have to be willing to put yourself out there. A lot of people are fearful when it comes to, for example, dogs that are maybe aggressive or pseudo-aggressive or uh, look menacing. Maybe they're large and people have a bad experience with large dogs. Who knows? But, um, to pick the right dog, where do you start? How do you know it's the right one for you? How do you know what things to look for? How do you know what things to test for? We know because we have experience, but if you're new or maybe you didn't have a good experience picking a dog the first time around or have to deal with getting input from family members. How do you know what the best thing is for you so you have long-term success with the animal? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sorry, I had to, had to let my beagle in the room. She was whining outside. Um, and one other thing that, that I want to mention on there that is important not only to, to the training that we offer, but it, it, but certainly in, in picking up a dog is, is being honest with yourself. I mean, certainly being self-aware and knowing, you know, these are my capabilities. This is what I'm good at. These are things that I'm not good at. But, you know, being honest with yourself and being able to say, boy, I love Great Danes, but if something ever happened and I had to, you know, pick him up to, you know, take him uh, out of a, a dangerous spot or he got hurt or something and I had to drag him out, you know, get him 100 yards to uh, to the car or something, could I do this? You know, do I have a way of doing this or, or whatever it may be, but to be honest with yourself first and foremost and say, you know what? This dog is too big or this dog is too active or this dog is too, is too hyper. You know, I don't, this isn't the right match for me or, or, you know, vice versa. I'm too lazy for, for this dog. And that's, that's maybe one of the, one of the bigger challenges that I've run into that kind of is the root of a lot of dog behavior problems is people pick up the wrong dog for themselves. You know, they're, they're just not matching up 
themselves with the with the right dog. Go ahead. And I, right, I, I agree. And I, I had this. I don't know if I made this up or someone. I'm, I'm borrowing some of the phraseology, but people's pe- talking about people's dogs is like touching on the subject of people's diet and their politics and their religion, right? It's very and their, sp- and their children. Too. Yeah, yeah, it's very sensitive topic because it immediately exposes you, right? Whoa, hey, you're maybe not doing as well as you thought you were doing here, and it's embarrassing, and people immediately, you know, get defensive, or they could, or they, or sometimes they they do, and if they're and if they're open to change, um, and they're receptive, sometimes it's not enough. Sometimes then they become vulnerable, right? You expose somebody, they don't know where to go from there. So, so it's a tricky s- slope, right? We have to manage that. It's, I'd rather people be vulnerable, but they still need guidance, right? And that's where we come in. Uh, because we, for better or worse, have kind of done the experimental stuff with, basic obedience and some of it has not worked some of it has worked um pretty much i know i've been bitten and you've been bitten before you know you've seen anxious dogs you've seen big aggressive dogs dogs that are hyper dogs that are not hyper um so it's a sensitive topic how do you how do we wrap it around and go okay here's how we start here's how we start point a or chapter one or you know step one yeah, and that's uh, that's an interesting um, interesting way to bring it up because, you know, do you start with what kind of dog do you like, or do you start with you know what is your what are your exercise needs for the for the week versus your you know the the dog that you that you want to get? But I really come back to taking a look at yourself and you know looking in the in the mirror figuratively, of course, and saying, okay, who am I, and and what am I about, and what do I need, and what am I willing to do and willing to sacrifice? And you know, although I don't have kids, I would think that would be the same set of questions you'd ask yourself when you're thinking about starting a family, because that's a that's a you know one of the biggest sacrifices in uh, in the world is to be a uh, be a parent and i don't find it a whole lot different than uh um you know to be a parent of a of a dog as well um you know there are obviously some differences but i i think that's that's where that's where i start with people and and not so not so straightforward but walking into a house and telling them what i'm seeing in their in their dog and why the dog is doing this and then i'll start to work in there as as i read that they're being they're comfortable with me then i'll start to work in there what they're doing to contribute to the dog's misbehavior not just jumping out and saying hey you're you know you're being way too way too quiet and soft in the corner or, or way you know hey you're being you're being way too uh, way too firm and upfront with your with your dog soften your body length but to but to work that in there and really get to get to know the people and and then ultimately show them who they are around their around their dog and what i find most interesting about that is how many people are so receptive to that and that certainly partially comes from the reviews that we have on online uh we've got fantastic reviews all a's on angie's list and and so forth so so people like their doctor like their financial advisor like their lawyer i think they read what other people say about us and say wow i bet i could trust these people too and you know how we enter and and speak to them and how i am on the phone with them and when they first call up um but to establish a, a relationship with them a rapport with them of trust and respect from the beginning which is how we teach people how to work with their dogs as well. Um, so I, that's how that's how I always look at look at getting a new dog. Is, is who am I right now, 
and am I going to be good to work with this to work with this dog right now, or to get to know this dog? And it, it doesn't always make a difference, but most of the time it does. Yeah, go for, ahead for sure. And and I hear you speak, and I'm thinking to myself, man, it makes sense, right? But for a lot of us, it's like, well, I don't have the time, or right. I have to work, or when I come home, it's cold and it's dark and. Uh, sometimes I've heard this from uh, female clients, so it's, it might be dangerous outside. Who, whatever, there's so many variables. Um, let me give you an example. So I haven't had a dog in a while. My dog, my last Doberman died, I think it was 2015, and I was moving, and I didn't really have the time. I wanted to, but I knew I didn't have the time. I didn't. I wasn't in the right emotional state, and I didn't want to have a dog in an apartment while I was working nine to five. Right. So. And that was the first, first time in forever. I'm 36 now. I've had dogs all my life. Growing up with, with my parents, I've always had dogs. And I found myself just ha- having to control that impulse, right? Do I have the means? Yes. Uh, do I have the money? Yes. Do I have the exper- experience? Yes. But is it fair to the dog? Probably not because my breed of choice, the breed of dog I want probably needs a lot of exercise, especially if they're juvenile or puppy. So the point is I didn't do anything for a long time. In my opinion, it was a long time. But I met um, a woman who ended up being my girlfriend, but she already had two dogs. But she didn't have the experience that I did. So I was able to help her in the sense of, okay, her dog had some unwanted bad behaviors. I was able to address that, and a lot of it had to do with, okay, exercising the dog and that sort of thing. She already picked the dog, so I couldn't tell her what. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. She already had the dogs, but my point is I kind of got back into it, and I picked up a few things, which is there's 24 hours in the day. People just, you know, with the responsibilities they have, the work, if they have kids, um, if they have all relatives, others, they just it time runs out so fast. You get home. You eat. Bam, it's dark. If it's winter, if it's too hot, it's too hot. If it's too cold, it's too cold. What do you do? And I found myself, I found myself going back to the basics. So what do I do? Because I, I, I was in a position, because I moved in with, with, um, with my girlfriend, or she moved in with me, I should say, and her dogs. I was in a position where I find myself, found myself with new dogs again. I was like, these are new, but they're my dogs. I, I found myself going back to the basic, which is, okay, exercise them. Right, and sometimes it's it's that simple. Would you agree? It's like as part as part as uh, geez, part of picking a dog, seeing if you have the time and the energy to exercise them. Yeah, that's absolutely the the, the first thing that always comes to mind, and and usually the first thing that I'll uh, that I'll say to to clients, even if I know that you know the chances are are pretty low that we're going to get an appointment out of this, and it just end up going to be a a phone consult, or maybe they're trolling for information or whatever. I'll tell them. You know, you got to get out there and exercise your dog because, as, as so many rescue groups know, a tired dog is a is a good dog. Um, and so, you know, typically that's one of the most important things that we can we can offer our dogs. And I think that's a fair starting point because it's so easy. Did you walk your dog? 25 minutes, you know, today, or did you walk him a mile and a half today versus are you being a good enough leader to your dog, which is a lot more more nebulous of a concept. Um, than uh, than just straight exercise. So can you look at a dog at a shelter for the layperson and say to them, hey, if nothing else, ask yourself the question, can you deal with this amount of energy? For example, 
you walk up to, you go to a shelter, uh, there's a lab, and it's three years old, and it's barking its head off, and it seems to have a lot of energy, and you're in your 70s, and maybe retired, maybe not retired, maybe you have an injury, maybe you don't have an injury. Is it fair to say, hey, if nothing else, ask yourself, be honest, like you said, can I deal with the energy and the exercise requirements? Just a yeah, key. I think, yeah, that's a that's a perfect question to uh, to ask because there are there you know there are plenty of active uh, older people out there who could take most most dog and give it the exercise they need. But in our experience, you know, there's a lot of people, old or young, who just aren't willing or in some cases aren't able to to get out there and exercise a dog. And you know, yeah, you can supplement walking with. Um, with uh, exercise at a, at a dog park or, you know, even a treadmill in the house. But, you know, nothing is the same as being out there, spending time with your dog and teaching him how to behave on leash. So I think I think that's absolutely one of the first best questions people can ask themselves is, you know, am I do I have enough energy and and time to commit to uh, to this dog here? And if not, then just move on to the the ne- to the next kennel and, and see what else they have to offer you. Yeah, you don't really hear about people looking for older dogs, right? It's always kind of like puppies are cute. And if you have kids, especially, you're going to get pushed and pressured into getting something cute. But, you know, depending on the breed, you're looking at 8, 10, 12, 14 years of... (laughs) Yeah. So so why not look for older dogs that are 8, 7, that have less uh, hyperactive energy? Why not? And... Match it with your lifestyle. You know, not to say that if a dog is low energy, it doesn't need to go outside, but it may not need to go out as much. There are certain breeds, right? So I would say do breed research first and see what that breed is uh, designed, uh, bred to do. Some terrier, you know, terriers are always, in my experience, have high drive, right? Uh, you have retrieving type dogs, hunting dogs. They have high drive too, but they need a job. You have herding dogs. Right. Um, sometimes they can have high drive, sometimes they can't, but they're going to need something to do as well. And then you have maybe toy dogs, and then maybe you have mixed breed dogs, and then maybe you have older dogs, and you have tiny dogs, <laughs> purse dogs or whatever you're going to call them, toy <laughs> toy cup dogs. Who know? I, I've never yeah. had one, so I don't know if they're... If they require a lot of exercise, seems like well, they and, don't. And, and let me let me interject here real quick for for those people who may be listening to this, to you know, who are, who are calling us dog racists already. Well, all, not all labs are like that, <laughs> all German shepherds. It, fine, you you know, you go ahead and and think what you want, but what we're talking about is generals. Yes, stereotypes is another word for it. Okay, sue me if you if you don't like that word, but generally. Herding dogs behave in a similar fashion. Generally, yeah. gun dogs, sporting dogs, whatever you want to call them, behave in a similar fashion. So at least start with that. You know, start with learning about the breed a little bit and and similar breeds, and then say, okay, you know, these dogs require a ton of grooming. Is that something that I want to take on? No. Okay. Well, then steer away from the dog. If that's something you enjoy doing, then terrific. But yeah, start with start with some information and not just look at a picture and say, oh, that looks like Scooby. That that, um, you know, I had as a had as a kid, because then you're leading with 
with emotion and not with you know facts and, and common sense. But and that's a that's a whole other topic. But yeah, please do your do your research first on the breeds and figure out. You know, I like a German Shepherd, but it may not be quite right for me. So maybe something a little bit, a uh, little bit easier to work with. A, a Collie, for instance, is easier for most people to handle than a, than a German Shepherd. Um, so, yeah. so yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, and we're talking in, in generalities because obviously there's going to be exceptions to the rule, but we're trying to get, again, we're trying to be altruists. We're trying to improve the relationship between owner and dog and really, uh, make the uh, the people aware of what they have because what what we have to face is the reality is and i've lived in a few different uh, places in the united states it's always the same thing shelters are overrun um people are surrendering their animals when they're financially uh, in a bad situation that's a whole other topic but right. that goes back to maybe you picked too many dogs or wrong types of dogs or they have to move from a house into an apartment the apartment doesn't allow certain types of dogs my point is know what you're getting before you get it because there's a lot of suffering going on from the animal side and we see it all the time whether we go to a shelter or rescue even if you go to a person's home who's doing the best they can as right. far as as far as they know feeding the dog sheltering the dog we can tell the dog is suffering because it's not getting its needs met. So like Brian said, a hunting dog and it's inside the house all day. Maybe you have a backyard, but it's not having its needs met. So then we get a call about, well, it's tearing up my house. It's jumping on people. It's chewed through my wall. It's starting to nip at the kids. Yeah. It doesn't get along with my cat. You know, it hates my whatever, my, my guests and it could escalate into biting, whatever. So it's not necessarily just the shelters, but everywhere. The suffering is everywhere. And and so that's not to say there aren't good dogs. There are a ton of them, especially in the United States. I feel like because uh, I'm, I'm from Colombia, um, so I can say this. I feel like there's a culture here, uh, and I'm in Austin, Texas now. There's a big pet culture, especially dog culture here. People love their dogs, but sometimes love is not enough. Right? We have to have that awareness. So can we say do the breed research? And then match the breed research tendencies, uh, temperament with whether or not you have uh, the energy or not. And sometimes the answer is no, right, Brian? Yeah, and and the word that I use generally is is the lifestyle. Does this breed or, or this this breed type match your lifestyle? Are you an active person? Are you you know more of a um, sedentary person? You know, do you travel a lot? Do you stay at home a lot? So. Yeah, lifestyle is, do you have a ton of people in your house all the time or is it a really, really quiet house? But yeah, that's, I, I would agree with that 100%. And let me just use a personal example. So I moved in, I have my girlfriend move in with her dog. She's got a small kind of poodle mix and then she has a border collie mix. And uh, what I noticed when I first met her, because she, uh, as a teacher, didn't have the time, didn't know about walking and having the dogs go out and that sort of thing. They weren't really housebroken. At least the little one wasn't. And the other one was very, 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 very anxious around strange people. Uh, and so I had to find, I had to be in a position of, okay, I start kind of fresh here. Not only help these dogs, but help her understand what's needed. Right. And, and just to make a long story short, the results have been 
kind of what I expect them to be. The dogs find that they have a routine. They know that they're going to get walked. They know when they're going to get, they're going to eat food. They know when it's uh, rest and relaxation time. They have their toys and they also have their boundaries when they act up, whether it's with uh, guests coming over. We have a cat now. So it's all working, uh, uh, I would say, uh, very smoothly now because even though I didn't pick these dogs, I went back to the basics. So this may not apply to you because you could you say, oh, I already, ha- I already have a dog. And we'll talk about this in another podcast, okay? Going back to the basics, uh, how to address certain behaviors that you see all the time. If you've already picked a dog, we don't want you to abandon your dog. But in this case, what we're talking about, for those of you who haven't picked a dog, maybe you have one and going to pick another one. Maybe your dog passed away. Maybe you're adopting for the first time. Maybe you're moving in with some and you're making a decision collectively, look at the breed info and the energy. It's very important because you will avoid a lot of heartache and you and the animal will be better off for it. And you'll feel better about it in the long run too because your life will be a heck of a lot easier. You won't have to worry about random behavior stuff that you don't even know where it's coming from. Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost like getting getting a car that you love and then you get the insurance bill for it. You're like, holy cow, I can't even afford, I can't even afford this. So I got the, you know, I got the wrong car. So yeah, do the, do the research. And, um, you know, when you go to the, the next step, go to shelter, go to rescue. And, and, you know, I was, I was with, uh, um, someone who, um, who bred and showed dogs. So I understand all, all that. And, you know, without those people, those, uh, those hobby breeders is what they're called, not the commercial breeders who just are in it for the money, but without those, Hobby breeders, I wouldn't be able to say I love the temperament of a cattle dog or I love how German shepherds, you know, look and move and, and everything. So, you know, for all those rescue people, and I was a rescue person for, for many, many years, uh, you know, rescue is, is necessary, but so, so is the breeding side of it. But because there are so many unwanted and, and frankly discarded dogs in the world, you know, we urge you to, to consider checking out a shelter or a rescue group first when you're, when you're looking for a dog instead of, instead of first going to a, to a breeder. We're certainly not against breeders, but, you know, because of the number of, of dogs out there that already exist, why not, uh, why not help some, some dog out there who's in, who has a need already rather than, rather than not. Let me um, let me throw this out there um, for people that are wondering where do I go to look up breed info, right? Um, I did some research a while back just to see if it matched up with what I thought, for example, uh, a lab's temperament is or what I think an Australian shepherd temperament is. What would you advise people where people should go? I mean, I have a dog book and it's pretty accurate, but there's websites – that are pretty good, whether it's the AKC, uh, American Kennel Club, they have a pretty honest, I find they have pretty honest uh, opinions about breeds. And so, for example, uh, when you read a certain terrier, like uh, my dog right now I'm looking at, he looks like a Karen Terrier. I know that a lot of the Karen Terriers have strong personalities. They need a firm hand. Strong leaders. What do you think that means for the layperson that's looking into getting a Karen Terrier, for example? What is, how would you read that and how would you advise people to digest that information? Because it's easy for us to say, hey, get the right dog for you based on your energy. And people say, oh, I want this Karen. Well, I think I have a strong hand and a firm hand and I'm, and I'm 
uh, strong leader? How do you break that down so people can understand what are they really trying to say to you in so many words when you read something like that? When, for example, you're looking at Karen Terry. Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting question, and and you know, there's a couple of ways that that you can go about it. One. I would say is I'm interested in, in uh, German Shepherds. Okay, well, go to a German Shepherd rescue and see that breed. Go to, you know, go to a German Shepherd breeder and experience that breed. And I don't mean, you know, just 20 minutes there, but an hour, two hours, whatever. Take take one or two for a walk. See how they are, you know, in a pack. See how they are with you. But go and experience num the breed in numbers, not just one German Shepherd. You know, because you're you're not going to get a, an accurate sampling of the of the breed there. So you definitely, you know, just like with we do with uh, with clients and and how we built up our our repertoire of knowledge, um, you have to go and experience it. Um, and then aside from the AKC, which I, I definitely agree with, and if you are interested in going to a a breeder, um, the the breeder of merit is the title that you're looking for. These are the people that really are doing right by their dogs and trying to improve the the breed. But there's um there's a website that I've had uh, bookmarked. On my browser here forever called yourpurebredpuppy.com, which has, you know, very straightforward information and it's, you know, it's not a ton of reading, but it kind of gives you an idea of, uh, of these breeds typically. And then, you know, kind of the other end of the spectrum is this book that I showed you a while ago, Carlos, um, called Breed Freak. And I don't really understand why he chose that, uh, that title, but it's a, uh, um, very, very intelligent and, and well-educated, uh, veterinarian who kind of goes through some of the more popular breeds and, you know, says a lot of outlandish seeming things and, you know, things that people would take offense to. But when you, when you go through the book, you're like, oh yeah, that's my German Shepherd or that's every Weimar honor I've, I've met. And, you know, it yep. can be insulting in, in, in some cases, but really looking at these and if you're laughing and you're like, oh, that's just like my dog, then sure, maybe that's, you know, that's the breed for you. But if you're looking at that, you're like, whoa, I need to stay away from that. That's not me at all. So, yeah, reading can help, but nothing is, is as good as going and experiencing the breed, you know, even if it's just a friend who has a has a dog or two. Um, yeah, and that's that's another reason to go to the shelters. You're going to see a little bit of everything there. And if you, you know, see five Jack Russells as you're going down the kennel and you see five little creatures that are bouncing six feet off the ground and barking constantly, that may give you an idea of what uh, Jack Russell Terriers is yeah. like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, they, absolutely. There's no, no substitute for, for just getting out there and spending time with some of these dogs. And, hey, maybe you've served volunteering at a, at a shelter or rescue, and, and that's one way you're bettering yourself, learning about uh, about the different breeds and and helping other dogs while you're trying to figure out what uh, what dog is the right match for you. So yeah. it's kind of a win-win. Absolutely. And I want to go back and wrap this up with what you said in the beginning is to be honest, right? Because if you're – if you just grew up with a German Shepherd, but you live in an apartment and you want a German Shepherd again, but you work nine, ten hours a day, are you really being honest with yourself when you say this is a dog for me? You know, it's it's is it selfish? Is it you're forcing something, right? So be honest with the amount of time you have, the amount of energy, and like Brian says, really get out there and, and feel and see what it is that you're getting and people are really honest when you if you had if you talk to somebody who owns the, who's owned the breed before if you go to rescue people are really i think pretty open about to giving you that information freely they want you to make the right choice they don't want you to to return the animal the dog or dogs right 
So people are, are in the dog business, I think, Brian, you would agree, we're really open about giving you information because they want to make sure that the dog is going to the right place and that you are getting the right dog for you. But you have to be honest with yourself, which means you have to be honest with the people as well, right? So yeah. some, sometimes you force it. Sometimes if you're the parent and you have kids and they say, I want this, I want this, I want this, and you're like, oh, well, I guess I'll just get what the kids want. No, be honest with yourself. Are they going to take care of that dog when they're six, seven, eight, nine, ten? Probably not. It's probably going to be you or your uh, partner, whatever. So be honest with yourself as far as the long-term investment, okay? And uh, and that, that could take some time. So it may not be the right time this year, maybe six months, maybe next year, or like what happened with me after my dog had to put him down. It took over three years, and I still don't have my dog, quote-unquote, but right. I happened to find a situation where I'm perfectly fine with accepting these two dogs, and, and they've been great since we started exercising them and getting them on a routine but i didn't have an animal for three plus years so and that was uh, unusual for me because i like i like the, the dogs and having more than one in general i've always had and brian like yourself you always had many dogs around you so anyway um we're gonna end it here it's a little bit over 30 minutes but this is our first podcast feel free to give us back any feedback enjoy it uh, let us know if there's any other topics that you want us to cover. We want, we want to keep things pretty uh, specific, though, so that when you pick it and listen to it, you know what you're getting, and it's not all over the place because, like we talked touched about a little bit in the beginning, Brian, there's a lot of stuff with dogs, um, being a dog owner, dog trainer, dog behaviorist. It, there's a lot going on, so we want to keep things as focused as possible. So, Yeah, definitely. So uh, if you have any uh, any comments, please feel free to go to our uh, website and and uh, fill out the comments form there. It is www.gooddogworkshop.com. And anyone is always free to uh, to call me at, uh, at my cell phone, 703-489-1319. We'd love to hear your uh, your feedback. And like I said, we're always going to be honest with people, um, good, bad, or or, uh, or indifferent. So um, please let us know if we uh, can answer any of your questions or if you need some help from us. Cool. And, Brian, thanks, thanks again for your time. And I will see you on the second podcast. Okay. Thanks, Carlos. Right. Take Bye. care, everyone. Take care. All right.